hello, hello. Today we are blessed with Elizabeth, who is a digital parenting consultant who provides support to governments, companies, schools, and parenting associations on digital parenting and children and the internet. That's right. I said the internet. <laughs> Currently, Elizabeth is a board trustee for the Diana Award and advisor on European Corporation and International Projects to E-Enfance, the French Child Online Protection Association, and a digital parenting contributor to France 24. She also consults for UNICEF, Child Online Protection, and the Council of Europe as an independent expert on digital parenting and children's rights in, in the internet, and is an e-safety content provider for the UK Safer Internet Center as the Ask the Expert member for Internet Matters and guest blogger for the Family Online Safety Institute. All righty then. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> I know, but I could not. Let me tell you guys, Elizabeth is awesome. So <laughs> I could not take it down to something short and sweet because it would just take away from all of her good work. You are so sweet to me already. Just three minutes in. <laughs> awesome. So first thing I want to talk about is what is the difference between digital parenting and parenting? Sure. It's really funny because I've been doing this now for seven years and I find that people are always just asking me questions and they'll say things like, well, my three-year-old has an iPad and when I'm, she's playing on the iPad, I'll, I'll try to take it away from her and she has a tantrum and just screams, you know, what do I do? Oh goodness, what do I do? And I just look at them, Jeannie. I just look at them and I say, take it away. You know, if, you, if you're going to take it away, take it away. But for me, there are so many questions like this that are not digital parenting questions. They're just parenting issues where parents are not placing boundaries, where parents don't have confidence in themselves uh, already. And then if you throw in tech, they start saying, oh, my goodness, I don't know how to deal with this. You know, everybody's talking about, um, you know, the child has to have a smartphone or everybody's playing this game or that game. And, and they just don't want to say no because it's technology. And um, I'm not saying, you know, to be some sort of no monster and to say no to everything, but, you know, stick to your guns. If that's something that's not appropriate for your house, then the answer is no. Okay. The answer Just is that. no. The that answer is, is no. It's difficult. It is difficult. And the things that my community deals with, um, especially when you have a child who has a special needs, is understanding that your child has an accommodation where they do need to be have access to the internet or the screen, but then they'll go into a doctor's appointment and then they're asked this question, how much screen time does your child receive? Right. And that's just not the right question. It is not how much screen time does your child receive. It's what type of screen time and how is your child acting as they're engaging in that screen? And afterwards, when you take it away, how are they acting? Those are all the things, you know, that, that you can look at. And I do say that, you know, with children with special needs as well, because you know their, their behaviors and you will know if they are getting overstimulated or they're becoming more aggressive or less aggressive, or I don't know what, um, as you watch them, as they engage with those technologies. And those are the things that I think parents uh, and especially special needs parents need to be aware of that this isn't different per se, but it's just, I would say just to be 
a little bit more attentive and just and to trust yourselves. You know your children. Somebody tells you um, that they shouldn't be doing this, they shouldn't be doing that, and you have observed real benefits when your child was using a certain app or was playing a certain game. Don't second guess yourself. Just keep on observing how your child um, reacts with the technology and keep going. Okay. Because that is like a trigger question for me. Like, I <laughs> mean, so it's a trigger question because when they ask me, I have to go oh. home or pull out my trusty phone, right? My phone guys and say, what is the prescribed <laughs> screen time yeah. for my child? Right. But there's no, no, no. And that's the thing that kills me too, because a few years ago, the American Pediatric Association, they had a hard and fast rule about no screens for children under two. And then for two to five, it was one hour a day, or I can't remember exactly. And then et cetera. They then changed that just a few years ago because they realized that this is the digital age and that, you know, children are, um, you know, doing FaceTime with grandma or Skyping with grandpa, what have you, and that they couldn't just say, you know, no screen time. So I would like just to emphatically state that not all screens are bad, not all screen time is equal, and it's for the digital parents to discern the difference, to figure out what is going to work. And I think he said something that was really important about going home and looking at your own screen time and being a digital role model. I think that's so vital because, you know, our children see us and they want to be like us. I mean, even right now, I'm doing this podcast with you. I've got my 13-year-old in the other room. I am sure he is on an iPad. <laughs> and little large because he's like, well, mommy's on the computer, you know, and, but I, when mommy gets off the computer, you know, mommy's going to go have to go find something else to do and also help him transition off the iPad. So I, like I said, I think there's so much to this and I think that we're putting so much unneeded pressure on ourselves to parent our children. Parenting in and of itself is already a challenge. Don't make the technology an additional burden. And so that's why I say with digital parenting, you're bringing your offline parenting skills, you're just bringing them online, right? And so by the same token, I also say that when parents start freaking out about some sort of issue and they believe that it's a digital parenting issue, I say, take the technology out and then think about what you would do. So for example, with this little three-year-old I just gave you with the iPad, right? So let's say that it wasn't an iPad that she was playing with. Let's say, I don't know, that it was a book, right? Just a Mm -hmm. book. And this was her favorite book and she wanted it, but you need to get out of the house. You need to go somewhere and you need to take it away. And she's throwing a tantrum about the book. How are you going to to decide? How are you going to act with this book? Are you going to say, I know it's your favorite book. We can put it on a special shelf. It will be right back here for you. Let's take this smaller book or whatever else, or let's take the stuffed animal as we, you know, go out the house and that book will be right here when we come back. Whatever you need to get the job done, those are those creative skills that you need as a digital parent as well. And if you take the tech out sometimes, it'll calm you down where you no longer feel inept and unqualified and you know, you're know you not tech savvy enough because knowing the technology has nothing to do with it. This is all about knowing your child and um, you know setting your family expectations. And what you said, setting the expectations for your family. And that's just important because I think as a parent, I get involved in tech myself. So when I even think about limiting or censoring their engagement, it's like, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> oh, so if I take it away, I have to entertain you? <laughs> like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> you know, and, which, and it can be awkward when you're starting to do like the first tentative, you step your toe in it and you're sitting at the dinner table and you're like, 
to homeschool today? Which is the killer question <laughs> to ask a child, but we all do it. Like they get in the car, how was your day? <laughs> like, right. And they're like, fine. <laughs> but I also say, Jeannie, it's funny that you mentioned that example because I also tell parents to always add in and how was your online day? What did oh. you do online today? What did you play online today? Oh, did you play Fortnite? Did you play Minecraft? What happened? Were you on Facebook or Snapchat? Was anything cool? You know, what's trending on YouTube? Parents can show that kind of interest. We may not understand everything that they come back to us with. That's okay. Just get involved. And so much of this too is, I mean, really, if you ask me, if you said, Elizabeth, we only have two more minutes, what is your hot burning tip? And I would just say, communicate. Just keep talking with your children as much as you can, you know, however way that you communicate with them, that you connect with them to find out what they're doing and how they're doing. That's the best way because you'll notice if there's changes, you'll notice if something might be bothering them. And, you know, if something happened in Fortnite or something happened in Minecraft, and then you'll be able to intervene. And again, you do not need to understand that Fortnite is a multi-shooter game <laughs> to know when your child says, oh, somebody came in and it shot me up and I lost you know, you know that they lost. So you can help them out. Like, oh, you know, it's a game. You can play again tomorrow or, or what have you. So I just think that take the tech out. Take the tech out. Get to business. You know, my son, so I'm going to say tries because I do do it sometimes. He's like, mom, can you play this game with me? And I don't play that game with you. <laughs> I say that to myself, but I'm like, oh, but he's trying to connect with me. Yes. So try. Yeah. And, you know, we try and it's, he gets so mad because... <laughs> I'm sure he gets a little frustrated with you. Let me guess, because you don't know what you're doing. Exactly, because it's too many controls. It's too many controls. And he gets frustrated with me. And he's not angry. It's just like he gets really frustrated. Like, mom, what are you doing? Especially if we're playing an RPG game where, and for people who don't know, the role-playing game, and we're together. So he knows he can only get so far. (laughs) You're holding him back, G. You're holding him back. You are holding him back. Exactly. (laughs) But I never thought to actually ask him, like he's up in his room. He was in a um, a tie for the highest GPA for sixth grade. Oh, excellent. And I reward them for academics. (laughs) So he wanted the games. He bought like five different games and he was in his room. Okay, wait, wait. Let me ask a digital parenting question. Uh-huh. Did you check out all the games? Did you know all check. the app ratings? You know I the checked ages? out all of the okay. games. I use Common Sense Perfect. Media. Common Sense Media, exactly. They are the go-to place for games and app reviews, nonprofit association, and they and even movies. They have even movies. They're and so books. good. They're so yeah, good. They're we really use good. it and we Excellent. use it together. Excellent. Perfect, perfect. Say no more. Good. Wait, yeah. Yay. That's that, you know, what I love about it is it used to be the conversation was, can I get this game? I would be like, I would yeah. say, let me check. Then right. finally it evolved to let me check common sense media right. to, he would come to me and say, I want this game. Can you check your website? And now the conversation is he will check himself. He'll pull it up. He'll come and say like, this is the game. It's rated mature. However, the ratings for people who don't know about common sense media, they have an overarching rating, but then they have a rating from the parents and the rating from children. So for instance, the game could be mature, just in general mature, but a child will say, I feel like this game is good if you're 12 years old. Your parent will say, well, I think this game is good if they're 14. And then they break down each different part of the game, the violence, sex. So that kind of gives you an opportunity to really look at if it's mature, why is it mature? Is my child mature enough? Exactly. To deal with it. 
I think you should also stress too that in common sense media, they'll tell you, um, for example, if it's for violence or for games or if there's profanity, they will tell you what is in the game, which I think is vital. But the other thing, Jeannie, to remember and to tell your listeners is that for me, yes, I 100% you know, go by common sense media. I love having my children look as well because they're able to say, oh, mom, you know, that's, that's for babies or, or what have you. But um, to also remember that when you download something from the app store, there might be one age there. And if you uh, download it from the Google Play store, there might Mm -hmm. be a different age. So, you know, just so that way parents know that these things, it's not systematic, right? It's not all the way across the board. So there is some flexibility just to keep that in mind. Oh, yeah, I know you didn't know, did you? I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know that. And then, you know, and I started to just use common sense for everything Like, oh, we're only going to look at common sense. And I think you should, in my opinion, I think you should. But like I said, if you happen to go on the app store and then saw the Google store and you saw that they had different ratings, you know, don't freak out because you, for me, you've already done your due diligence by looking at common sense media because I think it's the, the app developers themselves that decide the rating for the games. No, common sense media is the way to go. So then with that, I'm releasing my next question, which is since we're talking about screen time, one thing that I started to do at the beginning of this school year for my 11 year old was we have Google family. So I started to use the app that limits screen time. Yes. So he would get so mad. So then I added the part also Nintendo switch has it as well, that they also give them the ability to earn time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if they do A, B, C, and D. What do you think? Cause I know like you guys, if you don't use these tools, it's fine. This conversation is to let you know that they are available. (laughs) Right, right, right. I I think that's important to stress that there isn't a simple rule for all families to just say, okay, let me just, you know, download this app or or upload this website and I'm a digital parent and my child is safe and I've got parental controls and everything. That just does not exist. So you don't believe it. When you're talking about the Google family link, I believe I'm sure that's what you have. These things are tools, right? And they are excellent tools, but like anything, um, you know, they can only be used so far they can you know you can get around them but they are a perfect talking moment they are a perfect resource for always continuing that conversation so for example sitting down and explaining why there you're installing family link and the equivalent for your mm. listeners who are on ios on apple the equivalent there is screen time and so as you sit there so by the way that means that nobody has an excuse not to have any sort of parental controls because pretty much the world is ios or android and so you, you're covered there but um, as you sit down and go through screen time or digital well-being or Google Family Link, as you're going through that, you can just show your child, okay, do you see this? Ooh, you know, uh, violent content? No. Now, what are you going to need that for? Okay, so let's mark that off. You probably don't want to say pornography, but they can see some of the adult themes, I think it might say. And you can say, oh, you don't need to see that either. So let's check that off. And that way your child is also in agreement. They're seeing what you are controlling. And when you start talking about the time, come on, we all know they shouldn't be online for 24-7. So that's simple. And you can ask them, well, what do you think is a reasonable amount of time for you to be able to play some Fortnite and for you to get your work done, have your room clean, you know, and all that stuff. 
what's reasonable? And then when they say three hours a day, you can say, okay, well, I think maybe, you know, 30 minutes, you know, you can talk them down. But I'm saying, you know, as much as you can to include, and if you can't, you just put that on, that's fine too. But just to give them those warning bells. So for example, if you need to have dinner at six o'clock and it's 530, you let them know at 545, okay, you've got 15 more minutes. And then, you know, you got to shut down and then you give them another call at five minutes, five minutes. Okay. You got 10 minutes left. Okay. How are you doing? almost winding up. These are just some of the things that digital parents can do and use. And I think it's both for children with special needs and children without special needs. I just think that digital parents need to just roll up their sleeves and get in there, even when we don't want to, even when it's not comfortable, which takes me back to, you you had mentioned about playing with your son and not wanting to. I get you. I understand. But you don't have to play. You can just watch him play sometimes too, right? Oh my goodness. I'm not great. I am not good. If if I play Minecraft, any of your listeners, if I play Minecraft, I just jump up and down inside, okay? And that's just really funny to me. And I'm like telling my boys, because if you jump up and down, I'll tell you, say hi. And I just think it's hysterical. And my boys are like, mom, are you going to play now? Are you just going to keep jumping up and down? I'm like, I'm having a good time. (laughs) So you you just have to kind of decide how you're going to roll with it. But I think you can watch. I think you can watch and play. And I never even thought, he, you know, he will ask me that sometimes. He'll say, mom, can you come downstairs and watch? I'm laughing because I'm terrible. Like, I'm not terrible, terrible, but I look at all the opportunities that he has tried to connect with me. And literally, I was, I want to watch you play games. (laughs) When really, I could have came down and sat with him and watched him play games. And the reason why I said, no, one, I don't want to do it. But (laughs) but the other reason is because he has anxiety. So I'm like, in my mind, you don't want my company. You want me there to make you feel safe. Mm. And I need you to be independent. I need you to know that you're safe. Okay. So then how about this? How about, you know, keeping him with his independence and saying, you call me for the last five minutes of that Fortnite match, or let me just watch (sighs) you in the very beginning so I can see how you start the game off. Or, you know, oh, you're doing your victory dance royale. Let me come down and see you with your dance. You know, find just a small moment. Oh. Every, everything can be broken up, really. Everything can be broken up. You don't have to sit there for hours. You don't want to sit there for hours. I don't want to sit there for hours, you know? Yeah. Or just, just have him show you all of his, um, all of the skins, you know, in, my, in Minecraft or in Fortnite. Or, or if he's playing some sort of car game, you know, just say, show me all your cars or show me your avatar or, you know, show me who the lead players are. Okay, that's cool. I got you. Boo, you sit here and play now. I'm going back upstairs. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just get creative, Jeannie. You've got it. Uh, you know, I know I have it, but it's always room for growth. <laughs> <laughs> It's especially when you're dealing with a topic that, like you said, it's a new topic and we're constantly changing and growing to what's going on in the world. And you have some people, I like to call them OGs, they're coming into digital parenting with the same mindset of regular parenting, which makes it hard for some of us, like myself, who I'm not that type of parent. (laughs) I'm a really like flexible type of parent and when we start talking about regulation screen time monitor 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 you know it's like oh extra 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 (laughs) 
<laughs> right. But if you are asking me a tough question here, because it's true that there are some schools, and I, and I know of them, um, you know, where there's just no tech, right? Where they, you know, they, they remain OG. And they just say, you know, our kids can have tech at 12 when they've proven that they can, they can handle this, et cetera. Um, we've seen in Silicon Valley, you know, that some of the tech leaders, they're like, nope, my children do not have iPads. They don't have this. They don't have that. And it's like, oh my goodness, well, why do all the rest of us have this stuff? <laughs> so it's true that this does create a special sort of challenge. And so that's why I'm always saying, you know, first, I always say no parent shaming, no matter how uh, parents roll, whether they're letting their kids just sit there online all the time, um, which during the pandemic uh, has happened to me a bit here in Paris. Uh, no lie, no shame. I've had to, have to regroup afterwards. Um, and, you know, to the parents who, who have absolutely you know, their children have nothing. But for me, I, I just want all the parents who, who are OG, as you put it, you know, to sit there and think, um, when it is time for your child to get that driver's license and learn how to drive a car, you know, how are they even going to know what to do if they've never seen a car, if they've never looked at a car, if they were never a passenger in a car? Um, you know, it's not to say that they won't get it, they will, but it's just, you know, why makes things so much more difficult when they could just sit along uh, on the ride with you um, as you drive the car, mm. uh, et cetera. So I just also think that we have to realize that, um, that my goodness, this digital age is, it has some incredible, incredible opportunities. Um, but yes, there are the risks that are there. And I think that the best way, again, if we're using this driving the car example, the best way that we can help our children understand the risk of being out there on that highway is if we are about it. We talk about how it's necessary to wear a seatbelt, how, you know, you don't drink and drive. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? We have to talk about some of the risky things that are out there, the grooming, the, the cyberbullying, so that way we can give our children strategies to get out of those situations when they happen. And they will happen. Right. Holding those conversations instead of just setting guidelines and rules. Right. As I told you in the beginning, it's communication. It's communication. Conversations. It's always talking with them, always letting them know what your point of view is about this, how you feel about this, giving them some strategies, finding out how they're doing, you know, how they're feeling. My goodness, I think that's really, and really, really important. Oh my goodness. Um, how they feel. And I would say that I think that's even more important when we're talking about special needs, just because when we're talking about children who could be hyper-focused or, you know, um, impulsive or high energy. I mean, so we really need to pay attention to their feelings. When you say feelings, it's like, I thought it was like something in my chest. <laughs> <laughs> my nine-year-old loves YouTube. He okay. loved YouTube, right? Yeah. And a lot of time you would have in our community when we talk about YouTube, it's almost like we're saying, oh, it's like stimming, like this thing they like, they just kind of binge on it. But then I will read other things. I'm like, okay, so no, this is not like just for children who are on spectrum or are hyper-focused. It's like all the children are doing it. And then when we talk about conversation, well, my heart like beat when you were like, how they feel. My son loves YouTube. And he <laughs> will constantly try to have conversations with me about right. YouTube. And Sometimes I'll engage, sometimes I won't, which I'm going to tell you guys, he has autism spectrum disorder. This, as far as like the social emotional piece, it's a piece that he's developing. So to have your child go from like not being interested in anyone to saying, mom, who's your favorite YouTuber? <laughs> and my response is, I don't watch YouTube. <laughs> and his response was, oh, maybe we can find a favorite YouTuber. And my response is like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> 
<laughs> when I'm listening to you, I'm like, oh my God, the opportunities. They are not lost. They right. are not lost. <laughs> They're not lost because right. he comes downstairs because we have been in lockdown. Right. And he comes downstairs and he's like, yeah, mom, do you know? Okay, for whatever reason, audience, he must have watched something about tapeworms. So it's a <laughs> continuous conversation <laughs> for the last two weeks. <laughs> Random tapeworm conversations. Oh, that is so um, and he cannot understand if you do not want to engage in YouTube. He cannot understand when I tell him this person's, this YouTuber, excuse me, because I was going to say person, but he, YouTuber right. voice is so annoying. Yeah, yeah. He cannot even understand it. I, I, I got that too. But already I'm promising you right now that I will come back onto the podcast and do something just special around YouTube because it is so huge. So already what I'm thinking just very quickly is that YouTube is, whew, it's a it's a tricky thing, right? So they created YouTube Kids because YouTube is not made for adults, okay? Mm -hmm. And no parent shaming. My boys are 11 and 13. They are on YouTube, right? <laughs> but if you go, Jeannie, two clicks on YouTube, two, mm -hmm. three clicks, and just keep, for example, on the right-hand side where it has all those thumbnails and suggested videos, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, click that one and then keep doing that on, for a couple of pages, just keep scrolling to the bottom, you will eventually get to pornography, okay? Oh, yeah. You know what? At one point, my nieces were watching like cartoons and the next thing you know, yep, I was seeing dolls like Barbie and Ken, but mm -hmm. the entire conversation and interaction was adult. I was like, wait a minute, what is going on? This is not for kids. And they were like, no, they're dolls. Right. I'm like, no, these are not for, no. So then we switched back mm -hmm. over to kids' YouTube. So now they're limiting everything. And my son is like, what is right. this? Right. This so is that, not YouTube. <laughs> right. So then that's the big problem, right? Because YouTube kids is very infantile, but even bad stuff gets on there too. So if you look at YouTube kids, and in fact, um, in my book, which I know that you are getting, yeah. one of the things that I did was show some screenshots is that when you first download YouTube kids, they have disclaimers there saying, you know, you realize that we do our best to moderate this, but sometimes pornography, nudity can slip in. I mean, so you acknowledge that when you download YouTube Kids. And, you know, to give YouTube and Google their due, they try like heck to moderate, right? And it's just that there is, I think it's something like 600 videos being uploaded every, I want to say second, but perhaps I'm exaggerating, I can't recall. But it is just enormous the amount of videos that are being uploaded. And when we talk about the children's content, if you just go on Google and put Peppa Pig porn or Dora you know, cursing. There are tons of kids' videos where somebody thought it was funny to have, you know, Dora cursing people out. And so, you know, as an adult, I consider and say, yeah, well, that's kind of funny. But, you know, for a kid, it's not funny. And um, there is a lot of problems and problematic use with YouTube. But what I was going to suggest is that with your son who loves YouTube, one of the ways that you can prevent this is by having him only look at certain YouTube channels that you are subscribed to. So these are channels that you've looked at and that you've vetted, right? So like Nickelodeon channel or Sesame Street channel or National Geographic channel. He can see all the tapeworms he wants in National Geographic, I'm sure. And you know that there will be no chance of porn or grooming or anything crazy because Jeannie, let's not forget the comments. If they're reading the comments, 
girl, I've seen stuff in the comments that I was just like, mm -mm, no, no. I was watching with my son. We were watching a Minecraft tutorial because we were trying to figure out how to do something. And when I say we, that means he was trying to figure it out, but I was just sitting there doing mommy time next to him. And uh, this YouTuber, it was fine, the video. And then we started looking at the comments and somebody had said, that's so funny, you know, you named all the the names of the streets, actually, they were all in words, you know, just mm. in word all over. And I was just like, look at this. And so what did I do? Of course, I said, okay, we're not going to watch this YouTuber anymore. And then I gave him a teaching moment, you know, saying, listen, online, we are going to see things about Black people, about Brown people, uh, about all sorts of people, you know, Americans, French, Russian, what have you. And it's just like, this is not how we behave. We're not going to do that. And you saw it. It's just like walking down the street. You can walk down the street in any city in the world and hear people cursing. And you just say, okay, that was him that just walked by, but that's not you. Right. Teaching moments, they're all over YouTube. They're all over you. I, I, you know, I didn't know that. So I'm like, I'm in awe right now. I'm like, wow. I don't even read the comments or anything like that. But yeah. I wanted to ask to take a moment because when we mentioned child pornography, you know, as soon as you said, it, you know, I was on it. Like, I knew exactly what you were talking about. When you say the word pornography, like most people would think like, oh, pornos, <laughs> like porno movies, right, right, right. people are having sex. But when we talk about child pornography. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. No. So it's for sure, two different things. So pornography, of course, being consenting adults engaged in, you know, sexual activities and then child pornography. In fact, most of us in the child online protection area, we no longer say child pornography, although this okay. is the term that your listeners, everybody's going to understand, mm -hmm. but it's really child sexual abuse imagery and videos because these children are being sexually abused. That is what child pornography is. It's abusing children because they're under 18, they can't consent. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm talking about YouTube, and actually it's interesting because here there was some stuff with uh, child pornography on YouTube. Um, if you recall, it was a few years ago, you had some American advertisers who were pulling their ads off of Google because of some of the child pornography that was advertised on YouTube videos, for example, of young girls doing gymnastics, hmm. young girls, you know, wearing leotards, doing ballet. And so then all the pedophiles were going into these you know, websites and yes, and watching home videos of little girls doing gymnastics, of little girls doing ballet, because lots of proud parents put their children on YouTube or online. And these guys were having conversations in the comments and it would also send you to uh, regular child pornography, child sexual abuse image um, website. So that was a huge, huge problem a few years ago. Um, but I also think what, something that I have just discovered last week, and, and Jeannie, you're in my um, digital parenting community, so you saw this on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I spoke to a woman, her name is Dr. Gail Dines, and she runs Culture Reframed in the United States, in Boston, I believe. Oh my goodness, even for me, talking about age verification and child pornography, right? So trying to keep children from seeing pornography, not child pornography. And I was absolutely amazed to learn about how our young children are seeing adult pornography. And because it's something that they see so regularly that they feel that this is how romantic relationships are. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but let's just say that these are, you know, sexual acts that imagine whatever you could see in, in any pornography film. And to think about little 11 year old and 12 year old boys, yes, our boys age, watching this and thinking that this is what girls like. 
And this is a huge problem mm. that, that digital parents mm. do not realize. And don't just think it's limited to tube. They can see it on Snapchat. They can see it on Instagram. And that just brings us right back. Let's not panic. Everybody take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Don't, I know, I have a feeling there's some parents out there drinking. <laughs> take a deep breath, everybody. It's not that. It's, we got to have conversations, okay? And you can't take this stuff away because if you take away their smartphone or their tablet, their little neighborhood friend will be so happy to show them on their smartphone or tablet. So it's about talking to our children and having that communication about giving them strategies. What do you do if someone tries to show you, you know, uh, some naughty videos or some naughty pictures? What do you do? Are you with me, Janie? I'm with you. As you're talking, I'm, but I'm thinking, you know, I used to be in childcare way back in the day, but even you fast forward to currently, you know, you have situations with children and the parents are like, oh, I don't know where they learned that from not understanding that because let's be honest, a lot of times, even though the the school administration is like, we don't know where he got this from. It's almost like they're kind of saying it's you, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and as a parent, you're totally confused. And it's probably something that they're watching that we are not understanding that yeah. they're watching. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And how it looks. Like I said about the Barbie dolls. Like if I was just walking by, I would assume because it's Barbie dolls that it was right. kid friendly. I just happened to stop because it was like the whole conversation. I think it was Barbie was pregnant. Then they were talking. The whole conversation is what made me stop. Right. And then I had to explain to them, everything on YouTube is not for kids. But like yeah. you said, scrolling down, but even with the scroll down, if your child is watching it and it keeps playing video after video after video, yep. they'll eventually hit it. Exactly. And of course, you can use parental controls to, to stop this and to stop the, the next recommended video, which you can do on Netflix as well, you know, because Netflix is the king of <laughs> getting us all to sit there and watch, you know, everything. Girl, I think I saw all of Scandal like in one day. It felt like it. <laughs> because I was sitting watching way too much. But it's it's very true that you can stop that recommended video feature. You can, you know, stop it. But how many people know these things? How many people are going to dig through the Netflix setting, the Amazon Prime, the Disney Plus settings, or even YouTube settings to figure these things out? And so that is something that I try to do when I'm speaking with technology companies is to say, you know, make it simpler. My mm-hmm. goodness, make it easier for us. We've already got enough to do uh, trying to parent these children in today's age. You know, make it easier for us. Yeah, because I'm, I'm be honest with you. Like, after we went back to YouTube and then I had to Google, like, how, how to right. put the settings on. Then I had it on one device. I couldn't figure it out on the other device. Yep. Then I had someone on Facebook tell me, like, you could do it. Then I tried to do it and I was like, mm-hmm. I'll come back. And I didn't come back. So... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's difficult. It's really, it's, it's difficult. In fact, it's so difficult that there are, you know, people who offer services like that configuring and And I don't know if it's the same in the United States, but here in France, for example, if you go to your internet service provider, um, you know, you go into their little service uh, shop, they will, uh, you know, they will show you how to configure it. In fact, they, at one point they used to have little parent workshops. They stopped doing them, but they were very useful because, you know, this stuff is, they make it so, so complicated and it doesn't have to be. So difficult. And who has time to ask? Like for the Google settings, it was, I know who I am as a person and I know that right. the harder it gets. So um, yeah, guys, I'm not going to be resilient. I need to get this done. Uh, here we go, chat. Tell me how to fix it. And they're like, well, did you look? Okay, yeah, I looked and it's not working. That's what I'm asking you. Like, tell me what I need to do because I need to move on. 
<laughs> exactly. I think in general, I think that, yeah, again, for all your listeners, not to be freaked out about a conversation because we're keeping it very real, but, you know, to realize, again, there are tons of opportunities and we need some of this technology and special education students are just the technology that's there is fantastic some of the mm -hmm. things that are available um, so I just want to keep that in mind you know not to hyperventilate and <laughs> and just to realize that you can tame YouTube a bit you really can and it's difficult I admit it's difficult but you can yeah I'm like oh you know he loves it so much but I mean to be honest you made me feel this better about my whole experience and where we are today but just learning how to engage with him that's his mode of communication and I have been totally blocking it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but you're not the only one. And just think it's also the same thing when a teenager or a kid with a smartphone and they've done something wrong and the parents are like, oh, enough of that. And they take away the smartphone. Yeah. Girl, you have just shut off their network. You have shut them down. It's a great punishment tool for sure. But be careful. Think of the consequences. And if you're going to shut them down, you know, let it be just 24 hours. I had one mom who shut her kid down for three months because he had talked back. And I was just like, okay wait a minute, let me talk to you about this. Because you have effectively cut your 16-year-old off from everything. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, you're exaggerating. They can pick up a landline. Please. When was the last time you saw somebody pick up a landline phone that was under 18? And not even just for talking, you know, for getting homework, for chatting, for sharing pictures. You know, they went out to the mall, they saw something. I mean, so like I said, it's the real deal if you guys are going to, you know, shut down the technology, but just understand uh, what you're doing and how much they need it and want it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> laughing, but you know what? I don't take it away for like extended times. But when I was in my 20s, I used to tell a coworker of mine, I was like, you need to take it the way power. And she was like, what is that? I give it to my child. <laughs> to take it away. <laughs> she was like, what? I was like, yeah. She said, well, I don't know. What I said, what you have to do is take the time to discover what they like, even if you have to pay for it. So then when they don't do what you want, you can take it away. <laughs> and she was like, what? And I was like, yes. And I said, it does not have to be a toy. It does not have to be a phone. Like what you're talking about. It doesn't have to be that. My daughter loved cheer. Like my daughter had uh, chronic yeah. asthma. She would be in the back. <laughs> I gotta go cheer. If I tell her she couldn't go to cheer because she didn't do something in school, she would be so upset. And then she would like tighten right back up. And for my son, I guess unconsciously, I acknowledge the devices in his life. So usually he does something, it's like devices are taken for an hour. Oh goodness, that's fine. Of right, the devices fine. taken yeah. for two hours. Because I think at one time, and I've never done extended periods, it was the look on his face. Yes, yeah. When I said it, where I kind of like paused and asked myself, well, you have not created alternatives for him outside of maybe he can read a book that he has mm -hmm. in his library. So we talk about balances and conversations. And this is what occurs when you take away the device playing games. So for me to say, I'm going to take your phone for the rest of the day and it's nine o'clock in the morning. I'm going to take all your devices because that's a lot for him. It's like his whole body just like, ugh. Right. Like I took away his world and I changed. It. I was like, no, you know, it's an hour. And then I was like, you know, if you do it again, I'm going to increase the time. Kind of like the concept that people used to use when they put kids in the corner. <laughs> you know, like, how old are you? Five minute rule. 
<laughs> exactly. But this is it too, though. And it's looking at them and seeing how they're reacting and, you know, finding that pain point, but, you know, obviously not making it so, so painful. Right. <laughs> it's just a little bit to, of, that, of the consequence, but it's tough. It's a whole new game, a whole new area. And I think all parents are struggling and some of them don't even know that they need to be struggling. They think they have it all handled, <laughs> but one day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. Look, I know it's one day at a time, but I also wanted to ask this question. Since we yeah. are all in lockdown, okay? Yeah. So this was my monitoring of screen time, right? So this is what it looked like. I read somewhere, I think for my children, it said they only get like four hours or six hours, which is so cringe for me. But so this was my logic. In the morning, no TV or screen time. Then you go to school. It's like a whole eight hours. So when you get home... Go enjoy yourself <laughs> all the way to bedtime. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't really have to monitor you hard because <laughs> that was my plan. Okay. So plans in the tube. Why COVID? Yeah. We're in here. And <laughs> and even like with my youngest son, they both were doing virtual school, but they give him 10 minute breaks and yeah. every 10 minute break, he is running up those stairs yeah. to watch his YouTuber. And now I'm like, but what are we going to do? do because we're in this housing oh I don't know what to do because I was using school <laughs> as the time block <laughs> right but you are not alone it's the same over here in Paris France we are easing out of lockdown and my schedule is not perfect I don't have uh, the schedule yet I do know that I just signed my boys up not next week but for the following week virtual summer school to make up for a lot of what you know we didn't do uh, mm -hmm. during the past three months and I already know summer school is four hours a day online um, and I said okay but you guys if you're doing this schoolwork and you continue to do have good grades and you're respectful and I mean they sometimes lose it on that that respectful part is they kind of like mad dog me and look around so they might have to <laughs> adjust things but Every family is different, and I know that my boys will be playing. I know that sometimes I'll be sitting next to them, watching them play. Uh, sometimes I will be playing. But I think that everybody has to just give themselves a break during this COVID-19 stuff. And I mean a break from the over-tech that we've done, uh, all of the overindulging. And this is, you know, I am not a psychiatrist, but I just feel like we are all putting so much guilt onto ourselves because we drank one glass too many, or we ate one cake too many, or, you know, our kids are online a little bit too much. Let's just get over it. Let's be thankful that we are healthy and coming out of this. And, you know, we will find a way to get those boundaries back in place. I will find a way to lose these pounds. Right. <laughs> or not <laughs> but you know it's okay it's okay Jeannie and same thing with your, your voice right now the only thing I would suggest is and it's not even a suggestion it's just again to keep on observing their behavior because it's true this is a stretch and just to make sure that they understand you know that this is not forever that this is a special time you know mm. that this is why the we make sure that they understand it because you don't want you know lockdown to to be over and they're sitting there saying well, why you gotta go outside we're not going outside it's right here <laughs> you know uh, so just to make sure that they realize that this is special, special, special time and that special time will be over. Um, you know, you might even want to mark it on a calendar so that way they can visually see it and get that this is not forever. Um, because I do think that whenever we're talking about children who, who may be a little bit more vulnerable, um, you know, let's just make it as simple as possible for them to get it and why this, this fun time, this bonanza of screen time is not going to last forever mm. <laughs> conversation again you know i think sometimes as a parent 
we really just are looking forward and these are the rules and not understanding that children have to engage in yeah. a conversation to, they have to know the why, right? Yeah. Why do I need to do A, B, C, and D? Because what happens is, is they'll engage with it outside. It's something that they don't have a choice. And the older they get, the more empowered they feel when they have choices. And I'm learning that with my 11 year old. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because I never thought about this stuff until I actually was not even becoming a parent, but it was really more as I started looking to this digital parenting stuff that I started realizing that so much of what we do and learn as parents and that communication, we just are extending it to this technology into the digital age and be, you know, when we're learning things as far as when you're telling your child no or something. And you remember they'd always say, yeah, don't say no all the time. Say yeah. yes, but not right now. <laughs> <laughs> in a minute, exactly. in a minute. Yeah, it, exactly. Whatever. And it's just like so much of that translates into the digital age too. And I just think, you know, we're all growing. We are all learning. And I'm sure that if we asked our parents to back in the day, if they thought we would manage after watching TV as much as we did, or trying to hang out at the mall as much as we did. For me, it was the roller rink. I was always trying to get to the roller rink. Um, you know, the, <laughs> we all had our different things. And I think that, you know, if we stay together as community and we keep on talking about it and we keep sharing, you know, what is working, what's not working. Um, you know, people in your community, if they reach out when they need some extra support, mm -hmm. just just we're going to get through it. I mean, it's like everything. It, I think I told you that my, uh, my niece has Down syndrome. And it's just like, if you don't know, you know, what other people are doing, you're doing it all on your own and you don't yeah. have to do it all on your own. And it's stressful. It's really stressful. And we don't need that. We already have enough stress. Enough stress. Like we need that community. So you yeah. have, I've been Googling you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so you have, uh -oh, what did you find? What did you find? So you have a blog and it talks about the five C's of digital parenting, communication, critical thinking, confidence, and continued conversation, which is so good because when you flesh out the five C's and you look at our conversation, guys, you can see like mm -hmm. she's speaking and living it. Yeah. And you know what's so funny, Jeannie, is I wrote that post. I don't even remember when I took the dates off because I was like, not blogging as weekly right, like consistent. I thought I would. Right. But that's okay. Because it's still there. I try to make it evergreen. So mm -hmm. that way it will last forever. But what's really interesting is with the five C's is that the more I've been doing this, I think I wrote that probably a year and a half ago or two years ago the more I realized that that's it. If anybody were to ask me, you know, what's the secret? That is the recipe. And it's so much the recipe that last year, the Council of Europe, which for your listeners, it's the largest international human rights organization here in Europe, they cover 47 European countries. So when I do work for them and I do wrote a digital parenting guide that's free, and there's also six videos on grooming and sextortion and revenge porn, all that stuff, free, free, free. Mm -hmm. But when I was doing this, they'd asked me last year, you know, oh, Oh, Elizabeth, do you have another topic? And I was like, oh yeah, the five C's. But what was really interesting, Jeannie, is that I had been talking to a bunch of parenting experts and they kept talking about positive parenting and <laughs> um, conscious parenting. And I was like, wait a minute, this is the same thing. And so what's really cool is that um, the Council of Europe had come out with a positive parenting statement. I don't even remember when, a few years ago. And so what I just did is I applied that positive parenting statement to the digital age, which is the five C's. And when that free guide is out, I will share it with you uh, as well, because it should be out probably in a, um, I would say less than a month, it'll be okay. available. Because that's what it is. So that's the secret. That's it. Communication, confidence, conversation, critical skills. Yep. <laughs> so because this is the parenting cipher, which is a nod to the hip hop cipher where we get to build 
on each other's knowledge, right? So I always ask this question, what's your favorite hip hop song or song that empowers you? And you said anything from Beyonce. <laughs> anything from Beyonce. And when I read it, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm, empowers you. Yes, it does. Anything yes, it does. from Beyonce. I don't care what it is from Six Inch Heels. To I don't, Freedom, I don't, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Even Bootylicious, fine, I'll take it. <laughs> Anything. I'm a survivor. Anything. Girls run the world. Please. How can you say just one song? It's anything. Anything. No, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't. And that was very simple. Yeah. Right. When I read, I was like, I got you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got you. Yeah. I feel you. (laughs) And I asked my parents on the podcast, what's the moment that made you decide to take charge of your child's education instead of letting the school lead? And your response was, I have always known as a Black American educating my children in schools in France that my input and guidance was necessary. When I read this, I was like, ooh. Yeah. Girl, what you talk about? <laughs> yes, it's very simple. So here we go. It's different over here. And, you know, for all of the listeners who were growing up thinking about Josephine Baker <laughs> and Richard Wright and how they were living large in France. Okay. Yeah, it's true. But let me also, there's some blog posts that you guys can read, some blogs. One is called uh, Entree to Black Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of Black Americans here in Paris. And um, our situation, our stories, I love living here. I've lived here now for 26 years, 26 Ooh. years in France. Yes. Yeah. I, girl, I left here. I was a lawyer in San Francisco and left. And I said I was just going to come over for a year uh, and do an MBA and then I'd come back. My parents are still waiting. Um, so it's just like I did not go back. But my whole point is that, you know, there are differences. And the best one I could tell you is that people sometimes see me on the street and they'll say, oh, she's from Cameroon or oh, she's from Senegal. And then I'll start speaking and they will hear my beautiful French, but with a very American accent. And they say, oh, she's American. And it changes everything. Mm. So for me, you know, it's difficult to even say racism because that's not what we're talking about here. But colonialism, there is a serious problem, I would say, with people dealing with their former colonies. And as a Black American, yeah, the arms are wide open. Life is good. But if I, you know, as again, if I said, you know, from Cameroon or Senegal, they, life would be a little less good. So that's kind of some of the tough things, um, you know, that I wanted to make sure. And so, for example, if for my boys' school, every year I'm going in there and I do the internet safety talk. I also do Black History Month. And they're always looking at me like, Black History, we're in the United States. And I'm like, uh-huh, but London, <laughs> England is right across the way there. And they celebrate Black History Month, but they celebrate in October. So here we go. This is February. Let's roll. And they, <laughs> And they let me come, you know, and it's really, really cool. It's, it's important. And again, I just think that it's necessary for children to know as much as they can about where they come from. I mean, that's a word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I spoke to an education curriculum designer yesterday, and she was talking about race and like conversations you have with your children. And what was powerful for me was when she started talking about, when you talk about African-American history, Who are you talking about? Are you talking about the more emphasis on the negative or are you talking from a positive perspective? And when she said that, I was like, oh, that's Mm -hmm. so good. Because when you talk it from a positive perspective, it's all of the good things, but you can still have that conversation about race and say, okay, well, we always have had allies. Everyone isn't against right. Black people. I mentioned we, we were talking early before we started recording. When we went to France in February, my mom was like, 
French people are racist. I'm like, no, mom, you have to understand the country and you, she's watching the news. So I think at the time on the news, they were talking about, I think the refugees. It was probably refugees or yellow jackets because we had fights, we had problems, fights, protests. Right. So I was like, mom, first of all, take a breath. Okay. Take a breath. <laughs> and understand that they have some other conversations going on that have absolutely nothing to do with you. So I need you to open up your mind mm, and don't you, bring yeah. your experience over right. to another country because when you're here, you're ready. Even if you don't want to admit that you're ready, you're ready. You're ready for someone to look at it a certain way. Right. You're ready. Someone says something to you. You could be the nicest person in the whole world, but you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. So in closing, because she said he's coming back, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I said I'm definitely coming back. But also, Jeannie, one of the things you just said, um, talking with your education curriculum person, it just um, kind of resonated for me about how she said, when we're talking about African-American history, you know, to talk about all of it, right? So the positive and the negative. And for me, that's like the perfect closing with digital parenting too, that perfect parallel about, you know, yeah, there are so many negatives. Yep, yep, yep. We hear about it, we read about it, but gosh, don't forget all the positive, you know, and to just do the research around it and to figure out how you're going to explain to your children what you want them to use and what you don't want them to use. Oh my God, this has been awesome. Yeah, you pulled it together, not me. (laughs) (laughs) So please let the listeners know where they can connect with you. Of course, she's on Facebook, but you want to go to her site. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, no, I am on Facebook, but fortunately, I, I really don't use Facebook as an individual. So if you go, you'll just see my picture and a little black screen behind me. That's it. But you can join my private free Facebook group, which is called the Digital Parenting Community. And basically in there, I have parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and child online protection experts like myself and psychiatrists and psychologists and just anybody and everybody trying to help and support each other. And one of the things um, that I'm really excited about that we just posted, I think last month, I don't know if you saw this one, Jeannie, where I was asking for uh, educational resources for special needs kids. Did you see that one? I did. Yeah, yeah. So we're, you know, everybody's in there just kind of pitching in, you know, because it does, it takes a community. And I know everybody's heard that African proverb about it takes a village to raise a child. I always say it takes a digital parenting community to raise a digital citizen. Mic drop, mic drop. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. But yeah, no, so they can come over into the group that way they have direct access to me, but they can always visit my website, the digitalparentingcoach.com website, and then they can find me on all social media, Instagram, Pinterest, just regular Facebook business page, Twitter, with just at DigiParentCoach. So at DigiParentCoach. And they can even see me on Snapchat and TikTok just at DigiParentCoach. And YouTube at DigiParentCoach. Look at you, look at you. please try try and try to live on. No, you will not see me TikToking. You will not see me doing the renegade, okay? But you will see me watching everybody else so I can report back to parents what those crazy kids are doing online. (laughs) You're like me. We're watchers. I'm a watcher. I'm a watcher. If I could be on TikTok with that little Twitter egg, <laughs> that'd be me just watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too funny. 
Oh, yeah. Well, thank you again. We look forward to hearing from you next time about this YouTube. Yes, for sure. And actually, Gina, let me put the challenge out to your listeners too. Tell them to send me some questions because you know I'm researching and doing some uh, work on digital parenting and special needs. So if they have something that's of special concern to let me know so I can dig it up and read it and report back to you guys. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's a pleasure.